obsessed with worms? That's putting it mildly. Todd is so fascinated with worms, he keeps a worm farm in his basement. Most of all, Todd loves torturing his sister and her best friend with worms, dropping them into their hair, down their backs. Until one day, after cutting a worm in half, Todd notices something strange. The rest of the worms seem to be staring at him. Suddenly, worms start showing up in the worst places for Todd. In his bed. In his homework. Even in his spaghetti. What's a worm lover to do when his own worms are starting to gross him out? Go Eat Worms is this week's story on The Goose Down. Welcome back for most. Welcome for the first time for some to the Goose Down. My name is Cameron Hawkins. I am the host of the South Congress podcast, co-host of the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast cast, and the producer of the South Congress podcast network. Go Eat Worms is book 21 in the Goosebumps series. Um, this is the first one I actually remember owning. So this came out in July 94. So I would have been nine years old at the time. Like I have other ones and I've bought them, you know, retroactively. But Go Eat Worms is the first one I remember owning. Uh, just the nastiest book cover in the whole world. Um, you'll see the colors on the cover of this week's episode. But essentially, it's open to long division in somebody's notebook, and there are worms everywhere, in between the pages, on top of the pages, um, outside of the notebook, and like most famously, busting out through the pages, like from the uh, bottom to the top through the pages. It's a fantastic cover. Um, you know, worms is just like that, that classic, gross, creepy, crawly thing nobody ever wants part of. So, you know, this is book 21. So we are literally 33% of the way through this series. You know, this is something that I started in an effort to like have an additional outlet. Um, you know, I do the South Congress podcast with my great co-host uh, every week. And we talk about what's going on in the world. And then, you know, I produce a couple of shows. We just finished up last week. Um, I just want to tell stories. Um, a 10 part series that I really enjoyed doing. Do a live call in show on Wednesday pertaining to pro wrestling. But I really wanted something that was just mine. And so this book series is what I covered. And so I'm glad like we're finally to like the first book that I owned. And you know, we're so far through like I can actually see it ending. So now I have to figure out what we're doing next. So 
in the first 20 books, like we had a wide variety of characters. We had, you know, kids visiting their their great deaf aunts. We had kids going out for Halloween. We had kids, um, you know, living next door to other mysterious kids. Um, you know, a lot of stories of people moving from big city to small town and having to get acclimated and, and how they deal with supernatural or scientific forces there. You know, this is very much... A story about a kid, very familiar, comfortable with his surroundings, and it, it makes you wonder, is this a good protagonist? Not good in the sense of interesting, but good in the sense of, is this somebody we should be rooting for? Like My, my very favorite, um, one of my favorite comedies uh, that's doing its kind of final lap is... Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and depending on you know how you view character hierarchy, Dennis Reynolds is kind of the main character of the series, um, and he is a complete sociopath, and he's totally worried about you know he's a one track mind about the things that he wants. He pretends to be concerned about what people think around him, but it's more to feed his own ego, and that is really what we're dealing with, like with this main character Todd. Todd Barstow has a very one-track mind, is not super concerned with the things going on around him. And what is that one-track mind about? It's about worms. So to get familiar with Todd, Todd is, um, you know, figures to be 12 years old. I think this is one of the first books where they don't volunteer um, his age specifically. You know, Todd's a, a, a tall, slim kid who always wears his Oakland Raiders baseball cap. Because, again, this is 1994 where... Oakland Raiders, um, you know, the logo and the colors like were a staple of like American fashion, especially the younger you were. Um, and this is actually the second time in this series where somebody wears that particular hat um, or apparel because of the colors. And it's never really stated for any other reason. So Todd's a tall, slim kid to the point where his mom says he resembles the worms that he's so interested in. He has a best friend, Danny. Um, Danny is kind of a, you know, a short, chubby kid with a really playful face. And Danny is super devoted to Todd all through this story, which you'll kind of see. He kind of goes along with whatever Todd says, rarely ever questioning it. Um, and then Todd, like I said in the intro, Todd's sister, Regina, and her friend, Beth, who Todd constantly picks on. Todd's favorite place to find worms is behind second base at their school's baseball diamond. Um, anybody who has played sports and, and you know, you know what the infield of a baseball field looks like. And on top of that, if you play on a field that has removable bases, typically you have to put a double stake in the ground with first bases. You put a double stake at first base because um there's the side that the runner can advance to and the side that the first baseman can play to get them out. And so you double stake it. So typically you want the ground there a bit firmer. Um, kind of the same thing with third base, even though it's not a double stake. Um, but second base, a lot of times, is where you can actually place like the flat mat base um, just because, you know, even if people slide into it, like, it's not such a concern if that base moves um, because you're not technically rounding it the same way you would third to go home. Um, so I say all that to say if any base is going to be loose, it's going to be second base. Um, and because that whole field's dirt made sense to me immediately why second base would be the place to dig for worms. Um, 
So they're digging up behind third base to get some worms. And Todd and Danny feel like an earthquake, they say, coming from the ground. Um, Believing it to be an earthquake, like they run back into the school and yell earthquake at everybody. And then basically the other kids are like, hey, dumbasses, we live in Ohio. There are no earthquakes. (laughs) So everybody kind of forgets about it. So while they're back inside the school, they realize that, you know, it's not an earthquake. So let's go back outside and keep digging. They see another kid digging up for worms in the same space that Todd always digs up. It's this kid named Patrick McKay. And he out loud, Todd is trying to figure out why Patrick is digging in his spot. Again, leaning itself to the idea that Todd has a very one track mind and that he feels like what he wants is the most important thing. He cannot figure out why Patrick would be digging in his spot specifically. If anybody watches the boondocks, um, you know, one of the most famous episodes is about granddad having this run in with Colonel H.P. Stinkmeaner, who is a, a blind man who drives a car and he always parks his car in the same spot to the point where he wrecks granddad's car. Because he can't figure out why somebody would be in his parking space, which is handicap parking. Ridiculous, yes, but not any more so ridiculous than trying to figure out why somebody has your worm spot. So Todd's sister, Regina, says that Patrick is creating a science fair project about worms. And Todd is immediately, unquestionably and unfixably upset. He's like, not only is he digging in my spot, but he's taking my idea for the science fair. Everybody knows how I feel about worms, and he's doing this to me. Like, I'm the worm kid, which is what he wants to be identified as. Um, like, he already kind of has a disdain for Patrick. Patrick is actually a kid from California um, whose family moved to Ohio. Um, and Patrick never is like, oh, I'm so rich. Like, immediately when they said Patrick, it reminded me of Waldo from. The Little Rascals movie is who I got visually. But, you know, Patrick is never like, oh, I'm better than everybody because I'm rich. What he does say is I much prefer California to Ohio. And who wouldn't? Like, you know, it's always 75 degrees. (laughs) You can wear what you want. Don't have to worry about the weather so much. Absolutely more things to do even at that young age. So you get it. Um, But Patrick is like super dismissive of Todd. To the point where, like, he has a birthday party where he invites all the kids over. Um, Regina and Beth are invited. And, you know, it's a big carnival and all that. And Todd and Danny just aren't invited at all. Um, I, I think because he thinks they're weirdos. Doesn't really deal with them. He's never mean to them. He's just, you know, not not super into the things that they're doing. So, Todd being upset, he goes outside to confront Patrick. And he's like, yo, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm getting worms from my project. And he's like, what is your project? He's like, well, it's, and then the bell immediately rings because it's an R.L. Stein story. So we have to, uh, you know, we have to have these chapter breaks that, that cause a bit of tension. So immediately, like the boys are going back inside um, because they, you know, hear the bell. Um, Patrick is not in the mood to really have that long conversation and they feel more tremors. But again, they dismiss them. So after school, Todd and Regina go home. Um, Regina's there first. And Todd sees that Regina's working on her science fair project. 
It's a huge papier-mâché robin, which becomes like a big uh, talking point later in the story. But they're making this giant bird. Um, her and Beth are sharing a project. Funny enough, Todd won't share his project with Danny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he wants to do it on his own. So they're sharing this bird. And right now the point of contention is the girls think that the head on the bird is too big. And so they're adjusting it over time. What does Todd ask Regina when he sees her? Where does Patrick live so I can go to his house and figure out exactly what his project is? Because I'm the only one that should be doing this project. I need to know if his is better than mine. So she gives him the address and Todd convinces Danny to go to the address. Danny's like, man, I told my parents. My parents told me I couldn't leave the house, but I waited until... They went grocery shopping and I snuck out. If they catch me, I'm going to be in so much trouble. So, again, Danny, super devoted to this weird thing this Todd is doing. But that's his man. Um, I see them as kind of bulk and skull uh, from Power Rangers fame in the story. But um, so when the boys start to approach the house, they get scared by a giant dog and they run inside the house, not caring if, you know, they have to knock or not. They can't figure out what's going on in the house. Like there doesn't seem to be furniture. The dishes aren't done. There are cobwebs. And as they look around, a nasty, like scary, decaying face is looking at them. They head for the hills, run to their bikes and head back home as fast as they can. As Ty gets back to his house, he hears his sister on the phone. And she's bragging about sending Todd to that abandoned house. Um, she explains that it was used for a Halloween party. And then that face was just a, leco- a leftover decoration from the party. Um, <laughs> Regina asked Todd if he went to the address. And he's like, nah, um, we ended up not going. And he is upset. Now, to be clear, this is the first time it's acknowledged that Regina's gotten any type of revenge on him. Because he's known for playing these pranks with worms on the girls all the time. Like earlier when they're at lunch, he actually puts worms in her friend Beth's soup over a dollar bet. Um, so this is like his M.O. This is the first time that she's gotten back to back at him. But he's like, no, she can't do that. Only I can do that. I'm going to get mine. It's like, okay. So... We get to the science fair, right? Todd's project is this worm farm um, that he made. Um, you know, I'd say about as big as a work scale computer monitor, give or take. I mean, as as big as the small TV that you have in the kitchen, right? But it's a glass worm farm. The worms are moving through it. Um, like, all really cool. So he's looking around at the projects, and all of a sudden... Patrick shows up with one of the teachers and they say, "Okay, Todd, I need you to make some room on the table for Patrick's uh, project as well. He already doesn't like Patrick. He's already mad at Patrick for digging in his spot, fuming at Patrick for doing a similar project. So Todd has his worm farm. Patrick has made a six foot tall worm skyscraper. He is livid, like beside himself, upset, contemplates breaking Patrick's project right there on the spot. Right. So the judges, there are three judges and they're looking at Todd's sister Regina's project. And as they're looking at it, they notice there's like a string hanging from the robin's mouth. They pull on the string and worms start to pour out of the beak of the paper mache robin and everybody's grossed out like 
Todd then acknowledges that he filled the bird with worms earlier in the day to get even with his sister. Like, just terrible. He's horrible to his sister. Um, So then later, when it's time to announce the winner, like, you know, Todd thinks he has a great project, but he knows Patrick's project is just a better version of his. Um, And the prize is a new computer to the point where Patrick's like, yo, um, I guess, you know, I'll let you see the new computer when I get it, like joking with him, but being dead serious about having a better project. It turns out that the winner of the science fair project was a balloon solar system. Who made the balloon solar system? Todd's best friend, Danny. And (laughs) Todd's not upset at all that Danny won. Like, at this point, I think he's just happy that Patrick was not the one that won. So Danny did a project that might have taken, I don't know, an hour to make and wins a brand new computer, you know, at the time where computers are hard to come by in 1994, right? So Regina, though, I guess anger runs in the family. Regina upset not only that Danny won, but that her project couldn't be judged fairly because he wrecked it, she pushes Todd into a table, which makes the worm skyscraper fall. It doesn't break, but it lands on a bunch of other projects, which start to leak gas. And so like the projects start fuming, so they have to evacuate the gym. It turns out the only real damage cause was like a bunch of worms went flying. Um, but, you know, all is well that ends well. Nobody actually got done any harm, right? So... A couple of days after this, Todd's doing his thing. He's doing the worm collection thing. Um, As he's adding the worms, he's in front of Regina and Beth. He cuts a worm in half in front of them pretty much to gross them out. And it works. The girls are grossed out. But Regina notices something. She's like, the worms look, she's like, the worms in your tank are looking at you. They're plotting their revenge on you. And he looks at him. They do appear to be like paying attention to him, um, like I guess cocked up, like somebody pointing a finger. Right. The next day, he's looking for his hat because he always wears that Oakland Raiders hat. He puts it on and notices that worms are crawling out the top of his cap, and he's freaked out. Like as much as he loves worms, like he doesn't actually want them on him. He blames his sister. And she's like, yo, I didn't have anything to do with that. Like, you're being crazy. He goes to eat his cereal. There are worms in the bowl. Again, blames his sister. And she's like, I have nothing to do with this. And their mom is just like, yo, I, I can't even deal with this. Like, y'all just go to school. The same day at school, Todd goes to eat his lunch and bites into a worm in his sandwich. He's trying to find his sister. And he finds her talking with Beth and Patrick. And so he guesses that they're responsible for all this worm stuff that's been happening. And so he pulls up on him, like, yo, what's going on? Patrick's like, yo, I don't got nothing to do with no worms. I don't even care about worms anymore. This is what I've been up to. So Patrick, and I love how, you know, kids are just so, like, imaginative and innocent and nerdy. He's writing a comic strip about him being a superhero worm about Todd being a superhero worm so it's kind of to make fun but also kind of an appreciation of what he does right Todd can't even be bothered with this can't even process it so he just hands it back to him and leaves as time goes on he keeps noticing these worms in these strange places like he finds them everywhere one night he decides to go down to his basement to look at the tank of worms 
and he talks to him. He's like, yo, this has gone too crazy. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm going to have to get rid of you if y'all leave. If y'all keep coming out. But, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, let's call a truce. Let's be cool. While he's doing this, his dad catches him in the basement. And he tells him straight up, yo, I'm done with you and these worms. His mom shows up. And it's like, yo, is everything cool? And his dad's like, yo, everything's okay. It's just him with these worms. And, yo, just go back to bed. I can't have you scaring everybody with the worms. And, you know, creeping out at night, getting into the tank, the stuff with the worms all around the house. Tomorrow, you're dumping these worms back into the garden. Like, that's a wrap. You know, um... Todd tries to argue with his dad, but he knows that he can't do anything with him when his dad's mind made up. Like, again, this is something that runs in their family. He gets that from his dad. And he's like, yo, I'm sure you can find something better than worms, Todd. Like, it's not that deep, you know. And, you know, even at this point, like Todd's having dreams of like when he's in the bathtub of worms coming out the faucet and like overtaking him and suffocating him. Like, it, it, it has gone too far. Like, we can acknowledge this. So. The next day at school, Todd overhears Regina and Beth. Like the second time or third time he's caught them talking, Regina admits to all of it that she's been the one putting the worms different places. So, you know, nothing supernatural here. Just very good prank by a sister to a brother. He's mad again. And he's like, yo, I cannot let her get away with this. Like she's ruining my hobby. Like this is the one time where maybe it's justifiable that he wants to get back at her because he got into a lot of trouble over this. But it's all still kind of his doing. So Todd and Danny go to the baseball field behind second base one more time to collect these worms. As they're doing it, the ground shakes again and it splits open. A giant worm, as thick as a tree trunk, assaults them. Now, I cannot imagine. Like, and we've done with some crazy stuff uh, in, in these stories. But a giant worm with all the different, like, with all the different detail that you could see on a worm that was, you know, a thousand times bigger than normal size. Um, I, I can't even imagine. Like, to the point where they even described Todd and Danny as not being able to get sounds out being so scared. The worm comes out, it tackles Todd, and he's like, yo, this has to be the mother worm. She has to be mad at me for what I've been doing to all these other worms. She wraps herself around him like a snake and starts to pull him underground. Danny, again, being the best friend in the whole world, is grabbing Todd by his feet trying to save him. Like, he's not traumatized enough to be stuck in place. Danny sees Regina and Beth passing by with their giant paper mache bird that they've named Christopher Robin, finally bringing it home from the science fair. The girls start to come close to them, and the worm, still being a worm, is freaked out enough to where it runs away and leaves Todd unharmed. Only Danny and Patrick, I'm sorry, only Todd and Danny actually see the worm the girls don't get there in time to see it and they think when uh todd and danny try to explain it to them that they're messing with them again so we finally scared todd straight um took his dad's advice throws all his worms away no more beef 
So it's like, wow, um, that's a pretty neat and tidy story. You like how it's ended, right? Wrong. Todd is still Todd. He still has that that one track mind personality. He's still super dedicated to the things he wants to do. He's going to go to, you know, he's not going to stop at any lengths to get the satisfaction out of a situation that he wants. So what does he take up? Something very similar. Chloroforming and pinning butterflies, you know, which is, you know, insect taxidermy, for lack of a better way of saying it. One night while he's up at night working on chloroforming and pinning a butterfly, a giant butterfly comes in through his window with a giant silver pin. And that's how the story ends. So absolutely frightening. (laughs) The fact that, you know, this this human is going to be, uh, you know, drowned, uh, suffocated and pinned to a wall somewhere by a giant butterfly i guess the moral of the story is there's something in the soil in this town and the animals are sentient enough to want to take revenge on the people who harm them um you know my my one big complaint about this story is that what i just described to you about pinning the butterfly my description of you is longer than the actual detail in the story it might not even be a paragraph so it was a very abrupt ending to a story i thought you know Probably deserved a bit better as far as explanation. Um, you know, again, a, a short version of these stories clocked in at 119, um, so under 120 pages. Um, you know, again, I think Todd being a pretty much a terrible person made him one of the most fascinating characters to follow because everything he did was in self-interest and did not take other people's feelings or thoughts or or motivations or desires into account um and i think when you're telling a story about somebody who ultimately has you know a bad sad ending it's a pretty good way to present them um how people responded to him in the story i thought was really good mostly stayed out of his way unless they wronged him um, or unless he wronged them, I, I thought was cool. Again, Danny being a super dedicated friend, Regina taking things into her own hands in order to get her revenge, and Patrick generally being unbothered and being able to actually move on, you know, with his life after something didn't pan out. You know, I thought it was a great cast of characters around him. Again, the allusion to him being so much like his dad with the idea that you can't change his mind once he wants to do something. Um, and the only thing that actually changed Todd's mind was, you know, absolute horror, but he still kind of was Todd. You know, I thought that was all really good. I like a character being, you know, from the place, um, in question. So not visiting, not moving, but, you know, being very much in touch with his surroundings and the surroundings around him being what adjust. I mean, it was kind of a departure for these stories, uh, but, but I really enjoyed it again, outside of the abrupt ending. And I think this is a very good book in the Goosebumps series, which also holds very, uh, very special place for me because this is the first Goosebumps book I remember owning. Um, so last week's book was the Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. Next week's book is going to be ghost beach um so yeah this has been the goose down the series where i review each and every one of the books in rl stein's goosebumps series this comes out every wednesday afternoon um of course on mondays is our regular south congress podcast 
Um, this last Monday's show was entitled G-Unit Breakaway Jeans. Myself, my co-host Peanut, and our good friend Dr. Aristotle breaking down the goings-on in the world and pop culture. So that's every Monday. This show is Wednesday. Now on Tuesdays is the Demon Dust podcast um, where Travis Bryant and Rich Fan, um, my good friends and co-hosts on the Pro Wrestling Torch East Coast cast, um, they are talking about the brand new His Dark Material series on HBO and BBC based on the books from Philip Pullman. Um, so that'll be every Tuesday morning um, at 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Central. Um, and they're going to do a few episodes, you know, covering their fandom and the characters they're interested in before the show starts and then breaking down the show every week. So for right now, you are looking at South Congress podcast Mondays, Demon Dust podcast Tuesdays, of course, the goose down on Wednesdays. Um, if you're one of our patrons, you got a special episode last week, which is, you know, one of Cam's 100% accurate movie reviews. Um, I did Pumpkinhead 2 last week. Um, this week, I believe I'm doing the invasion of the Body Snatchers. Um, so that'll be a fun listen, I think. And we're going to have a very special guest pod um, from a good friend of mine um, about video games this week. And, and so... Um, just excited to have a bunch of different things on the feed um, to give you guys all the content possible on the free side and then the extra special stuff on the Patreon side. Um, so, yeah, once more, this has been The Goose Down, episode 21, um, covering the Goosebumps book, Go Eat Worms. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and thank you for joining me. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comment, show, or movie discussed? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show.